So once again, I'd like to give a massive thank you to Wild Earth Australia for supporting me and the adventurous lifestyle. Now, I want to give a massive thank you to them because I'm up in Iceland right now, right up in the north. Yesterday, it was minus 20 degrees, and I spent pretty much the whole day outside. Now, this is a wet cold as well, so it's a cold that just goes straight through you. Now, Wild Earth Australia have provided me with the best gear you can get. And it has completely changed this expedition I'm on compared to a lot of my other trips where I'm kind of battling and struggling trying to make it work. And this time, like yesterday, I was literally in minus 20 degrees standing outside completely comfortable. And it has really reminded me how important it is it is to have the right gear for the right situations. Now, if you need anything for your next outdoor adventure, go to wildearth.com.au, put in the 10% discount code Diaries of the Wild Ones, all one word, capital letters, and these guys will sort you out. This is just such a cool episode. Phil, who you're about to meet, is just following his passions and getting the most amazing life experiences from doing so. Staying with an Icelandic family, learning how to shear and look after sheep. And after being at the farm, I was so impressed watching them shear and how well they looked after their animals. They have a saying here in Iceland, happy sheep only. And these sheep are not like normal sheep. Because they're wild animals, they're left to roam free in the mountains by themselves, and then they only get rounded up and brought back to the farms for the winter, just so they can survive, which they seem pretty happy about. And this is just so deep in the Arctic culture here. Without sheep and their wool, humans would have never been able to survive in this part of the world. So I just find this conversation so interesting, and I hope you guys do too. Are you warm enough? Yeah. Right, I'll cut the heat. Considering we're sitting in my um, Subaru... Wow, this is probably, what, a 1995 Subaru legacy I happen yeah. to be living in in Iceland. Yeah. <laughs> Greatest car in the world. Okay, now with the microphone, yeah, get comfortable so you can hear it in your ears. Yeah. And then you kind of want it to be like a fist from your mouth. I'm, just because we don't have the microphone stands. Yeah, yeah. Just kind of got to hold it. But are you comfortable? Yeah. All right, sweet. You got a beer? You got one? Yeah. All right, Phil. What's your last name? <laughs> <laughs> Rosenblum. Rosenblum. Yeah. Phil, this is what I find the most interesting thing about you, right? For one, you're like, you would think doing what you're doing, there would have to be something odd about you. But I haven't figured it out yet because you seem like <laughs> such a normal guy. You know what I mean? Like, you're a cool dude. You're a great bloke to have a beer with. And, um, but you're traveling around... You're traveling around shearing sheep. And this whole thing about the podcast is meeting wild people in wild environments doing wild things. And there is not much wilder than someone traveling around the winters in the coldest, most rawest part of the planet to shear sheep. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't met anybody else doing it. So <laughs> I, don't, I don't understand how... How did it even come about? So, like, where, where did... Where did it start? This is the the whole. It's a, it's a long story. It's a crazy story. It's got, I, I pretty time. much like I pretty much call it serendipity. Like um, I was living in Vermont. I live in Vermont in the U.S. and um, I've been studying permaculture for oh, so for a bunch of years. Yeah, yeah. So I'm really into sustainable agriculture, knowing where your food comes from knowing how to survive on your own, you know, having like these skills that are pretty much lost in modern culture of like how to just survive without having to go to the fucking grocery store. Yeah. And, um, that always like really connected with me with food. And then I don't travel that much. And, um, my girlfriend at the time was traveling all around the world and was like, you have to come somewhere with me. And I was like, oh, the only place you'll get me to go is somewhere cold where there's no people. And so she's like, well, okay, we're going to Iceland. And I was like, okay, you got me. What, what, what draws you to the cold and, and no people? Um, Is there something? Yeah, I don't know. It's just like, like what we were talking about with the underworld earlier. It's like a challenge. Yeah. It's like, uh, I think that's where you find like the most raw things, you know, because everybody's comfortable in the warmth. Yeah. And it takes like... Well, it breeds hard men. Yeah. Yeah. And and so, and that's like, you know, 
I'm not one to go on like a tropical vacation or like something like that. And I live in a really cold place too. So I'm used to it. And so I came here and we drove the ring road, you know, rented a car and, um, and I'm a farmer. And so we stayed at some guest houses at a farm and I asked to, you know, help with the chores there. And that was like when I met sheep for the first time in my life. When you met sheep? Yeah. Oh, see, like, so growing up in Vermont in, in like a, I'm guessing you're in like a farm community there. Yeah. Tons of cows, tons of horses, you know, goats, but no, like very few sheep. And, um, and so when I met sheep, I was like, oh, wool. And then I started asking a lot of questions about the culture here and the Vikings and how people survived here. Which is a thousand years ago, which yeah, is when, insane to think about. Well, I when I when I'm in the mountains, I often think about that as like before they had geothermal heating, heating everything, and like the and these nice houses that they live in. It's like how the fuck did they survive in this shit? The hardest men in the world, people, <clears throat> you know, it's by like, far. like just crazy. You have to be hard. I yeah, and we'll, we'll get into that. In yeah, and so that's where I was like, I all of a sudden like gained like this huge respect for the people, like the culture here and the people who lived here before electricity and before all that diesel engines and, um, and I, then I saw the North Atlantic here for the first time like during a storm, and was just like, holy shit! Like it's like gnarly, like so hard. And then I'm like, wait, you're telling me the Vikings sailed in open ships in the North Atlantic for like three months at a time? With the no fire, no cooked food. I, I wonder if um, you can hear that through the mic actually right now because we're sitting right now in the car. There's been a blizzard the last three days and right now there's probably like 100 kilometer winds outside just rocking the car and we're sitting inside my car right now recording this, looking out over the mountains, looking out over the glacier. What glacier is that over there? Um, I think it's, it's Vatnayoku. Yeah, so right now, like, this is, like, the rawness that you're talking about is, like, happening. Well, it's happening 24-7 here, but it's like... And this is kind of mellow. <laughs> it is kind of mellow. Right? <laughs> like, when it, when it goes full on here, it's, like, it's something to be respected, you know? Dude, last year I was living in a van here, and I would often wake up in the morning, and the van would have moved, like, a meter. Yeah. A meter and a half, slipped across just from the, the, the wind, the sheer wind just pushing There's it There's, like, over. some of these, like, uh, shipping containers here, you know? like that like blow over yeah they have them like tied guideline down like because the wind is like so strong i think they say that this is the windiest country in the world yeah that's why they got the wind turbines okay so continue so you're staying here you've been traveling around with your girlfriend and you've, you've suddenly been introduced to sheep and you're realizing that the vikings are the hardest men and they survived and after asking a bunch of questions what i realized is that the only reason that they really were able to survive was because of sheep because of wool, you know, they made they milked the sheep, and they made butter, and then they had skim milk, and they put that in the sheep's stomach, which had rennet in it, which made skir. That's where skir comes from. Really? And then they would take the whey, like the from what they would process like all the all the dairy products with, they have the whey left over, and then they would pickle all of their meat in whey. And like I don't know if you've had any of the sour Icelandic food here. It's like meat like fermented in whey and that's like how they like lived in fucking caves in the mountains like right. eating sour meat and wearing wool and sailing the oceans and I was like these might be the most badass people I've ever heard of and it fit right into my idea of permaculture in a cold climate and like knowing that like you, the fibers from your clothes came from this animal that you tend to the like I'd always thought about food I never thought about like all the other things you might need to survive so how did you transfer that penny drop moment that you had to shearing well so it was I would say serendipity because then I I went home and someone gave me a jar of sheep's milk skier like being made like 20 minutes from my house in Vermont and I was like I had never even heard of skier before I came to Iceland and now you're telling me that somebody's milking sheep in Vermont and making skier? For people that don't know what skier is, what is? So skier is like the Icelandic yogurt, but instead of using like yogurt cultures, it's made with animal rennet. Yeah. And so it's technically a cheese, but it's it's like the best yogurt ever. Oh, it's so yum. I've been having <laughs> it with my muesli. Yeah. 
exactly it's it's um and that's like you know a traditional food here and so when i went home someone gave me this jar of skier and immediately i like emailed this person this farm and was like i want to know what you have going on i just want to like come check it out and it's like a tiny little family farm and i went and like hung out for a couple days and was just like really interested and like had this like thirst for knowledge about like raising sheep and i was like i want to work here and they're like we don't hire employees and i was like okay well i'll just work for free then because i wanted to learn yeah and so i I worked there for like six months really that's Um, something that i really really respect and that doesn't happen as much anymore it's just a thirst for knowledge and people going and making it happen like if you've got to work for free if you've got to do it just just that enthusiasm it's like we don't have that as much anymore yeah, and it, and I think that you know because we live in a capitalist society and everybody's trying to chase the dollar. The dollar. Yeah, and so it doesn't make sense. Like it doesn't make sense to do it to a lot of people right. unless it's unless you literally you value that knowledge. But for me, it doesn't make sense to chase a dollar because I think that in the end, the only thing that's going to be good for is wiping your ass. Yeah, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's right now because we're just talking about. I just asked you why is everyone why is there no toilet paper anywhere? I don't get it. I don't get it. <laughs> All right, so continue, continue. So, so you so, worked there for six months. Yeah, and I read all these books, and I just like started learning all about raising sheep, and I became like, I had it felt like something from a past life, like it was like very natural for me, yeah. and um, like you had found your calling. In a yeah, way. yeah, totally. And eventually, they were like, "It's great to have you here. We like having you here. You do a great job. Like, we're gonna hire you as the shepherd." And so I've been working at this farm as a shepherd for the past almost three years. Really? Um, taking care of, you know, a herd of like 60 sheep, milking them twice a day. Um, the whole, and, and the whole thing. So like lambing season, you know. Um, and then it came to, to shearing. And they have a shearer that comes and, and processes, the, they're like processes the wool for them. And I was just kind of there to help. And that was the first time that I'd seen someone shear a sheep. And that in itself is like a crazy skill. Um, also, it, it takes a lot of strength and knowledge and practice. And um, it's an art form. Yeah, a dying art form. Yeah, in a way, it is. I mean, there's not many people that do it. There, it depends on which country you're in. You know, in England and in Australia, it's more of a thing because there's a lot of sheep. Yeah, but it's still like it's not not that many people do it. Because wool is dying in a lot of ways too, with synthetic fibers and things like that. Yeah, which I do like that you still can't beat. Like in this environment right now, you can't survive in the mountains without wool. Well, and, and that's what's amazing if if you like look into wool is they even send people to space in wool because they have never discovered a substance that um, insulates as well as wool is antimicrobial. It's like not flammable. It's like flame retardant. And um, and it keeps you warm when you're wet. Yeah, that's the biggest thing. So me being a surfer in this environment of the Arctic, it's like I wear wool socks under my booties. I, I wear Icelandic woven, hand-woven wool socks under my booties. And just to get, just for that extra thermal mass. But the best thing about that is when you're getting changed in the snow, you put your feet in the snow and you've got these socks on and keeping keeping yourself warm. Yeah. It's just in, yeah. It's like it's ingenious. I what I want to try, I want to find a little old lady that's going to knit me um a beanie, a tight beanie around my head that I can put under under your hood. Under my hood because that's still the hardest thing in the surf here is the brain freeze. Yeah. And I'm like trying to keep that warmth there. So okay, okay. So continue, <laughs> continue, man. Like I told so, you it was a long story. <clears throat> no, but continue. But so when I was here in Iceland the first time, um the farm that we're at, my friend Atley um, my girlfriend had come a couple weeks before and done a work away and taken care of his kids. He has two kids. Um, and so when we were driving around, we stopped and just, just stayed with him for one night and was talking with him. And I was like, wow, this guy is like legit, like a real Icelandic farmer, like a Viking pretty much, you know? He, and you can see the strength in him. So what, he's only 24? Yeah. And he's a father. He's, he's still got a really young face, but you can see his he's brute He's a five-year-old and a three-year-old. 
Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> Which is quite common actually here in the in the Arctic to have children quite young. But I can see the strength in him. You're saying like him throwing around sheep is he's Yeah, I tried to arm wrestle him the other night. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> no chance. Yeah, right. <laughs> None. Just 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 bred hard. Yeah. And so and and I knew that he, you know, he shears sheep. I had been here during shearing season, so he was like at home for one day while I happened to be there. Um and so, you know, fast forward, I'm in Vermont and I'm like learning about shearing sheep and, uh, and this is probably a year and a half or so after I'd been in Iceland and I just really wanted to learn more about this and I wanted to come back to Iceland. And so I like found him on Facebook and sent him a message and was like, hey, like, can I come shear sheep for the shearing season and come help you and learn? And like he was saying before, he was like, um, he barely knew me, you know, he'd met me for one day. Yeah. And that's not something that, like, many people want to do. Yeah. And it's also, like, his job, and he's, like, not sure who I am or if I'm going to get in the way or what, you know. And luckily he he let me come, and so I came last spring, which is when I met you. So that, when you met me last year here, that was your first time here to shear? S- to shear, yeah. Um, and I came for, like, three weeks, and really assisted shearing so I wasn't I was learning how to shear but you know it's a job and they have like so many sheep to do in a day that I just I take the sheep down so that when he's done shearing one sheep I'm handing him another sheep yeah so that it just like never stops so how does how does the actual because this is something so interesting for people listening how the actual sheep here and the thing about the sheep here in Iceland is they're all wild yeah that they literally do you want to explain how how sheep work here yeah so the sheep live here um there's well it's an island so there's no predators the biggest predator is the arctic fox um so they let the sheep out into the mountains in the summertime after the lambs have like you know gotten strong enough to go and they live in like the gnarliest mountains like you know when you go into the highlands like when the sheep go deep into the highlands it's like I would imagine as gnarly as mountains get in the world, you know, yeah. and they are just up there all year by themselves, living, surviving, standing on the edge of cliffs, eating berries. Yeah. You know, any like, and so, and then in the fall time, the farmers come up into the mountains, find them all, you know, one by one or two by two and gather them all up and and bring them home it's like a huge trip and usually takes a lot of the community because it's everybody has their own sheep up there they bring them down into the riet which is what i was talking about which is like a some of them are even ancient like stone circles that they bring all the sheep in and then sort them by family so they all have markings on them to figure out what family owns what sheep yep they like cut the ears in a certain way and then they're tagged as well so, um, and, but really like they have 900 sheep here and Hapa, who's Adley's mom, I was asking her last night, she knows every single one of them. Yeah, right. Like they like wrecking, like when, before even looking at the tag in the mountains, they know what's their sheep. Um, and so, and then they bring them home, you know, um, they feed them, they take care of them over the winter they shear them so how often what how long are they inside for what three four months of the year well the winter is a bit longer than that here yeah (laughs) (laughs) but i mean but still there's i mean there's sheep in the mountains now that they couldn't find yeah and they might not find for two years and then on the third year they find them yeah right (laughs) they've been living up there the whole time shit how's they're gonna have some wool on them yeah yeah is that wool then any good no, not so I mean like, not not for their purpose. Yeah, it's right. like matted, like, and it actually, they like shed it, so it like eventually falls off, kind of. So, so what's your job then as a sheep shearer here? Like, what do you do? Like, helping shear the sheep. So, um, essentially, I, you know, separate the sheep into like groups of like ten or fifteen, and then my friend Atlee starts starts shearing and I take I wrestle a sheep and put it into it like when they're on their back they can't right themselves Yeah. and I hand them hand him the sheep and he 
shares it, and by the time he's done sharing it, I have to have another one to hand to him. Yeah, right. So what's the difference? Okay, so the first time you came to Iceland, you came as a tourist, right? Yeah. You were traveling around as a tourist, doing the ring road, what most (laughs) tourists here do. What is your experience to that compared to now by actually diving in so deep into the culture? Like, you're literally getting... This is hundreds of years old. It's probably even longer. Thousands of years old. Since 800? That you're... That, like, this tradition is, like, like kept its way through through time right and now you're diving straight into this other culture it's like how is this and like living you're living with a local family yeah like how is this for a traveling experience for you like is that is that why you're doing it yeah i mean because uh, tourism in general doesn't really interest me very much i mean sure you can go to iceland and you can see the northern lights and take the tours and check out the waterfalls it's beautiful <clears throat> but like that doesn't capture what I'm looking for which is like something real you know and so learning about the people here and the culture and how they live here that's like that feels fulfilling to me yeah that's like and and then like having a family nice enough to take me in and like you know show me everything and really like treat me like family is is even more amazing you know a lot of them barely speak English at least probably his English is the best. Yeah. And so I'm like, a lot of times I'm sitting around a table like drinking coffee with like six Icelandic people and they're just talking in Icelandic and I'm... I have no idea. I'm slowly learning. Yeah. <laughs> it's a pretty hard language. What, what would you say, like how would you describe the people here? Hard, but really nice. Yeah. Like really kind. Oh, how's that? I wonder <laughs> if that just picked up through the mic, that wind... Yeah, the car it sounds shaking. like thunder, the wind, eh? Yeah. <laughs> we were in the barn earlier. It's like, whoo, you're like, what's going on out there? Yeah. Um, yeah, like, like really kind, but like, no bullshit. Yeah. You know, like they they'll joke around and like have fun, but it's like they're just very real people. Well, they they have to be in this environment. And that was the biggest thing. It's it's so interesting how you said before how like the Vikings and and showing how they did things is interest you you so much. That's the reason why I crossed the mountains last year because I was driving. We're driving. Hadar and I were driving through the mountains, and I was looking at them and I was like, "How how did people live here? How did you live here?" And he's like, "Oh, the Vikings. Yeah, they'd cross the mountains." And like learning about all these like there's like these little fields. Okay, so I've got a challenge coming up because I found found out about this safe hut across the mountains. And I was talking to the rescue team, and no one's been able to make it there to check on this safe hut for um, over a year because the ice is too thick going down this mountain range. But it was originally the <laughs> oldest. Go. <laughs> yeah, it is the it is the most isolated settlement Rookland. or was the most isolated settlement in Iceland. And this family and they had these two sons which were famous in the Icelandic um, folklore, a famous seaman. And they got hired, I think, by the Spanish to, to sail. This is, that was something I was reading about. But they had a house and a family farm there in this like little valley. But it was the most remote part of Iceland because it had rough seas to get to the beach. Like they would ha- could only get in there either over the mountains or by the beach. But the beach was rough sea, so it had this um, this one family that lived in there. Now there's nothing, but there's a safe hut in there. If anyone ever gets stranded or like I don't know what, it's got like blankets and yeah, water and food and ex- things. Exactly. And so, but the the rescue team, no one's been there for over a year. And so I was talking to them, and they were saying like um, they need a report on it. You know, they need to find out, like, because they need to have the checklist. And, and I was you're like, like, I'm your man. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I'll do it. <laughs> That's awesome. So I'm, I'm planning this expedition to try and make it to this safe hut. But it's, um, but again, I was just like, when I first was here, I was like looking like, how the fuck did these Vikings survive? Yeah. Like, how did they survive? They're such hard men. And like, you and I were just having this interesting conversation where I was talking about the underworld. You know, and the underworld is where, that's where the god, the gods lie. Like, as in, like, that's where all our folklore and everything in history has, all our tales upon history always lie. Like, the, the, her, the hero and the villain, right, lies in the dark. It's like the beauty in the darkness. It's like the hero goes into the darkness because the dragon's down there and the dragon has gold. And so he, he is brave enough to tempt the evil to go down 
to save something or to bring back something and to bring back the gold. And I was saying like this for me, that's the rawness and wildness of, of this climate is the reason why I'm here. And you're saying it's the same reason why you're here. It's like the beauty and the darkness. It's like this environment is so hard to be in that when you do it, it's like you get the gold off the dragon. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It's deep, man. It is. Like, I was thinking about Jordan Peterson. I was listening to a speech with him about, about chaos. And and I was just thinking this environment is constant chaos. But it's the humbled man. It humbles you so much because you cannot be... You can't be evil in this environment. You can't be egotistical because the mountains, like, the environment here will shut you straight down. It doesn't matter who you are. And that's why they're nice men here. That's why they're nice but hard. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I like how you said that before because it reminded me like of like, yeah, it's just, I've just been thinking about it because it's like people say like, why the fuck do you come here? Like, why do you test yourself so much? Why do you come here for this challenge? And it's like, fuck, I don't know. Like, what do you get out of it for you? What is it for you? Like coming and challenging yourself? Like it's hard. Like you're coming here. It's kind of your holiday. It is. This is the vacation I take. (laughs) Yeah. You're on a holiday. You're coming and like doing one of the hardest jobs there is like, ripping and shearing sheep around and you're in one of the wildest climates doing it yeah it's like yeah do it I think it well you know it proves something to myself as well about strength and determination Uh, you know not everything in life is rainbows and unicorns and it's not all easy you know and I but and like it's like you said too it's like when you when you meet this challenge when you like go out of your comfort zone and you should like face these things like it's like you get the gold from the dragon yeah it's like that's a feeling I don't think is even really describable to other people you know it's like when it's just like I did that yeah like it's like the sublime you know what I know something this is pretty personal but I I got here last week and it was so weird like I no I got here two weeks ago I got here two weeks ago and and I got off the plane and it was a blizzard and I was just hit by the cold and it's a wet cold here, you know, like I was just up north and it was like minus eight, it was minus 20 degrees and friends of mine in Montreal were like, oh, that's not cold because there it hits minus 30, minus 40, yeah. that's a dry cold, man. I'm like, I'm like, fuck, this is a wet cold, man. Like it's so different, but straight to the bones. I got off the, got off the plane, I'm in this blizzard and I was like, fuck, and like, what am I doing here? It's just wild. The wind's wild. And then I kind of got my stuff stored. And then one of my mates picked me up, Robert picked me up to go surfing. And we went and surfed, um, one of the waves. And like, I just, I just got knocked around. It was just so cold. I could hardly function. I couldn't, I can use, I couldn't use my mind. I couldn't use my body trying to paddle. And I was just like, I was just like, what am I doing? Like, I can't do like, and then we went to the, to the hot pool, like to the, to the hot swimming pools to, to thaw out. Like we do after surfing a lot of the time. And last year when I was here, you know, I was training, I was going in the cold pool, cold pool, and I jumped in the cold pool and I lasted 15 minutes in the ice bath. I mean, 15 seconds in the ice bath yeah. when I normally am a couple minutes, no problem. Or last, last year I was doing seven minutes, you know what I mean? And it knocked me out. I was like, oh, fuck, I can't be in here, I can't be in here. And like, I got out, I went back in the sauna and, and Robert's like, oh man, you know, you just got to climatize, you just come from Australia, he's like being like really like supportive. And I was just like, oh, I can't do this, man. Like, what the, what am I doing here? And I, and I remember going, I go to bed that night and I was just like questioning everything. And I just felt like such a pussy. And I was like, I've done it before. And I was like, where is the strength? Where is my strength gone? Why can't I do this? And it was so weird. And I woke up the next morning and I was just like, and I was just like, I can't do it. Like, fucking, I'm, I'm going to have to go home. I can't do this anymore. And then I was just, I just remember thinking to myself, like, fuck, this is why I'm here. Like, what, what am I doing? Like, this is why I'm here. Like, and I just went, fuck it. I went straight to the pool and I went straight to the pool and with my mate and we went into the sauna. I'm sitting there and I was just like sitting there and I was like, dude, I'm going to do the cold pool. And he goes to me, he goes, yeah, well, just, just ease your way into it. Just ease your way into it. And I was like, no, nah, I'm going. And I just went boom, straight in. And I just sat in there and I was just like, I'm not getting out for two minutes, not getting out for two minutes. Just bang did two minutes like without the arms in came back in got warm in the sauna and i was like no i'm going back going back went straight back went put my arms in under two minutes boom came back in and my mate did the first one or two with me and then he's like man i'm i'm done i can't do anymore i'm like nah nah i'm going for it so then i went in all the way down in the next three minutes just bang and i'm sitting there and then the next day just bang straight in next day just bang straight in 
and just forcing myself to do it. And then a few days ago, I noticed I came back from the surf and I was up in the north and it was probably minus 15 degrees. But the sun was out. It was a beautiful day. And I had surfed for a couple of hours, had to hike through knee to waist deep snow to get out. I get back to the car. My feet are numb. I start um, the engine so the car starts getting warm and I have to get changed outside and I get naked. And then I just, for some reason, just decided just to hang out for like 15 minutes. Naked. Yeah, well, the sun was there. I'm just hanging out, just like walking around. I was like dancing, I was singing. Y- Yannick was there, he was taking photos of me being an idiot. But I was just like, I just, I climatized myself. And like, I just accepted what is and just went, no, well, this is what I'm here for. I've got to do it. And it was like this, it was so weird. It was just re-reminder. And that's the, the reason why I come here. You know what I mean? Because last year I was so I fine with it. I had so much mental strength and I thought I still had that. And suddenly I got here and it just slapped me straight across the face again. Totally. I, I resonate with that so much because that's exactly like even coming here this time and, you know, with the with shearing sheep. The first day I was here, we sheared like, two, like over 200 sheep, which is like a really long day. Yeah. And like halfway through, I'm like, I'm done. Like, yeah. I'm like, I can't do this anymore. Like, what am I doing here? I'm yeah. signed up for, like, how many more weeks of this? You know? And Atlee's just like, no, you're just going to keep going. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm just going to keep going. You yeah. know? And it's like put those pushing those limits of comfort where you're like, I can't do this anymore. But you can. Because the human is so strong and so resilient. Yeah. And it's a lot of it's in our mind. I kind of believe for me, when I hit the point that I can't do it anymore, that's my 20% mark. Yeah. It's like, well, I've got 80% left. <laughs> like, really? Like, yeah. really, when you actually think about it. Like, really, when you think about it, it's just like what you can really... And that's what I find here about this climate is that you are constantly out of your comfort zone. Exactly. So it hardens you. It's like you are constantly taken out of your comfort zone. So it's like you're living past that 20% mark constantly and that teaches you what what do you find like being in this climate and doing this work and and living this rawness when you come here do you how do you find that reflects to you every day-to-day life i think exactly like that like it constantly here in so many things that i do i'm found like pushing my comfort zone real hard and it it just makes me stronger and it makes me like realize my potential and like you know have i guess more like faith and belief in yourself but also then you go back to maybe your normal day to day or something and like things that used to seem so hard don't seem so hard anymore yeah it's kind of like oh okay i got this yeah like i know that i can do this i mean i was even i was here so i was here shearing last year and after I did two weeks, they were like, oh, they patted me on the back. They're like, not so bad for a little guy. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, we thought you'd be sleeping in the corner already. Yeah. Like, if you think this is fun, you should come back in September when we bring the sheep home from the mountains. And I was like, oh, yeah, that sounds great. I mean, I, you know, I lived in Colorado for years. I used to do some mountaineering. I'm a big snowboarder. Yeah. Um, love backcountry snowboarding. Spent some time in some snow and some mountains. Love mountains. Um, and came here, you know, not really knowing anything about what I was getting into, just that we were like going to the mountains to get sheep. And I came for a month in September and we were like driving in like these four by four trucks, you know, big Toyota Land Cruisers with like 46 inch tires, like out down the river Valley, crossing the glacier river for like a couple hours until we get to like the mountain. And then we get out and they're like, all right, now go up. I'm like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, you know, and you're just like climbing these gnarly mountains and you get to the top and we all have like radios and stuff because you're like looking for sheep. Yeah. And then you like... So what are you using, binoculars as well? Yeah, yeah. binoculars, radios. There's somebody on the, like in the valley spotting and then like you send people up these certain ways and essentially you're like flushing the sheep out so you're pushing them down the mountain when do they run from you yeah 
Because I was, I was just thinking. But you don't want them to run too much. You don't want to freak them out because they'll jump off a cliff. Sure. Yeah. So you like, you know, you're like slowly just like pushing them down, and they have their own trails that go down the mountain, and then they get to the bottom, and you use dogs, and you like gather them all up. Yeah, right. But I'm like, finally get to the top of this mountain, I'm like, oh, 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 fuck. <laughs> yeah. And they're like, now go down. <laughs> and I'm like going down, and we're like following these sheep, and like I hear on the radio, they're like, Phil, go faster. And I'm like, I'm trying not to die right now. They're yeah. like, yeah, go faster. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, okay. And like, and then you get to the bottom, and you're like, wow, I can't, like, we're done. That was amazing. And they're like, all right, now you go back up. <laughs> and I'm just like and they're like what like go yeah like it's, it's a more shape yeah exactly <laughs> flush them out and then you finally get home from that day and you're like uh, after the first day I was like wrecked I was like so sore my whole body and wake up at like 7 in the morning the next day and they're like alright we're going again up the mountain yeah a different mountain bigger mountain like you <laughs> thought that mountain was big like you wait till we go to Kalamoli <laughs> which is like it's like crazy, you know. Like they do like four, four day mountain trips. Like they'll be out in the mountains. So for when four they days. when they round the sheep up, like do they? How do they get them all? Do they use the dogs to herd them all the way back in here, or do they like so get them in trucks? It or depends. Like? Yeah. So there's a lot of like trucks and trailers. They'll bring like a tractor out with a huge trailer that holds like 150 sheep or more, um, depending because the family here, like they don't just keep their sheep in these mountains. It's actually like up north of the tunnel yeah like Ooh, a little ways that's big mountains out there yeah I went through that tunnel just before there's like there's sister mountains there's like five mountains in a row because I was I, as I drive through I look at the mountains and look at how I can summit them <laughs> <laughs> I do the same thing you're just like how would I get on top of that one yeah. or I wonder what it would be like and some to of them are like one. I don't think I could get on top of yeah. that yeah oh man I was, actually there was, there was one yesterday I was staring at for fucking like an hour I parked the car to try and study this thing because I couldn't figure it I couldn't find a way just by looking at it how to summit it yeah I was just like it's too gnarly yeah it's too gnarly. But those, those through that tunnel, there's one that's a perfect pyramid. Yeah. There's a, there's, I've seen a few of those like that, actually. Trips me out, man. <laughs> <laughs> What's crazy, though, is you're looking at those mountains, and when you're standing on top of those mountains, there's bigger mountains behind them. Yeah, that's the fuck thing about climbing mountains, because you think you're about to get to the top of them. False you, summit. Yeah, oh, my God. <laughs> And you're like, oh, I'm getting buggered here. I'm nearly there. And then you come over like a little ridge and then you look up and there's like double the size above you. And you're like, oh, damn it. Yeah. <laughs> damn it. But, but so, yeah, it's like those kind of, I think that's why I keep coming back here is because it, like my vacation is like pushing myself. Yeah. And like learning in that way. Yeah. And I guess, you know, trying to be a Viking. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Do you have they have they like fully like accepted you into the family? Like are you like part of the? I mean, yeah, I think so. Um, I mean, that's what you know. That's kind of what he said when we were leaving the barn. Is he's like, oh yeah, you can go wherever you want. Like this is yeah, you know, you're part of the family here. And I, yeah, they're so kind to me. They like renovated me my own room in the house. I have my own room. Um, they feed me lunch and dinner every day. Um, well, you don't eat breakfast? Well, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. <laughs> you know? they, they feed me, like, amazing meals every yeah. day. Get me drunk, like, talk about everything, laugh and joke. and yeah. It's like a... Yeah, it's amazing. What an amazing... What I love about... And when I met you, what I... Um, I just... I couldn't get over in a way... Because one thing I've been reiterating like through this podcast actually with the last quite few episodes is like bringing meaning to travel you know what i mean travel instead of just going because it trips me out it's actually funny when i was here last year so i was three and a half months living in a van and i mean i was like probably like a month into the trip or a month and a half into the trip or something and and i always hear that like iceland has more tourists than locals right 300,000 people and last year I think there was like 2.8 million tourists yeah so there's always like more tourists here than and so like I'm like where are they because I never see them <laughs> right and then I end up doing that part of the golden circle or whatever because I went down to chase some waves down near Vic in the south 
and it's I stopped off a couple of waterfalls and craziness. it was just busload after busload after busload of the same kind of tourist and I'm not and I'm and I do not want to take away from anyone's travels um, but I was like I just remember looking at these tourists you know you know on the tour on the bus um, with all the gear but just like getting off a bus having the best like fucking mountain ear gear on and walking up taking a few photos of a waterfall and a nice path walking back in on the bus and I just remember thinking like I just can't that's just not for me like it's not fulfilling it's like I need to go deeper I need to have a more of a depth with my travels I need to learn more about the culture and what it's like and like and not just have this surface level I don't know it just doesn't do it for me I, I completely agree yeah and that's a you know when I stay in Reykjavik I stay at the hostel I meet all these people coming to Iceland well that's how I met you at the hostel yeah I wasn't even staying there I was there having <laughs> have a beer, beer. <laughs> <laughs> but, but it's interesting because like all these great people that I meet like they're all still like here they book the same tours mm. they're getting on the same bus they're going to the same places and I'm like that's not Iceland yeah like it's beautiful and it's great but like from what I've experienced like it's the tip of the iceberg. Yeah, they're just, you're just scratching the surface because it's set up there for for the tourists. And I, I, I found this when I used to live in Indonesia, right? It's like what people experience is what the Indonesians have set up for you to have a Western experience. You know what I mean? Like they'll set up a restaurant and they go, well, how do the Westerners like it? Let's do it like them to get them here. And I used to find like going into like deep into the village, deep, like eating at some local's house or something, that is where you get those experiences. You know what I mean? And I have, people ask me, and people do ask, and they wonder, okay, well, here's a question. It's like, yeah, we're saying, okay, well, you come to Iceland, right, for, for an example, and you can do the tours because that's the easiest thing set up for every day-to-day tourist that wants to come to Iceland and experience this. It's like, you should do those tours because this is the wildest place on the planet. And three tourists a day go missing here, and the reason why is because it is so raw with nature so it's like you could see a nice nice hike up a mountain and go oh fuck let's go walk up that the next thing within a few minutes like five minutes the weather can completely change here it can be wide out the temperature can drop 10 15 degrees your phone battery goes from half half battery to dead um you suddenly can't see anything to navigate next thing you're a lost tourist so this is why like these tourists and everything are really good but if you do want to push the comfort zone it's like dude i i just bought a car yeah. But at the same time, it's like, I didn't even buy a car. It's like, I went to buy a car and I said to my mate, I'm going to buy this car off your uncle and I'm just going to give it to you. And then he's like, oh, we'll just give us a third of the money for the car and then just give the car back. <laughs> That's sick. I'm like, now I've got this car and I'm just like, yeah. And then I just went to Ikea, got some rope and some hooks and made some curtains. Yeah. And... You know, just put a put a mattress in the back of the thing. Like, there's ways to do it without having to. You know, there's ways to. That's a that's adventure. You yeah. know, it's like being like what we were saying to determine to just like do it however you need to do it. Yeah. And like, you know, the tours. First, I mean, things are just expensive here. Yeah. And I don't have the money for all these. things. I literally and, don't. I yeah. Don't have no, I, yeah. Like, no means. You know, and and so like, that's. That's how you have to do it if you want to do it. Yeah, well, if you go out burger and a beer, but well, most people come to Iceland for a week, a ten-day holiday kind of yeah. thing. Because if you if you go to a service station, I'm going to say this for the Australian listeners: you go to a service station, they have like some cheap feeds, like, and it's like a burger and chips, and that'll be forty bucks Aussie, fifty bucks Aussie. Yeah, we used to go out for when I was here last time. I had heaps more um, money on my budget than what I have now. You know? And um, I'm living in a car. <laughs> so um, and after surfing, sometimes the boys would go into um, Reykjavik to for steak night, steak and beer night. There was this one pub down. I think two or three nights a week they do a cheap steak and beer night. But it's fifty bucks, fifty bucks Aussie for a standard pub steak chips. You know, not even that good. Yeah. With a beer. Yeah. You know, it's fifteen bucks for a beer when you buy a beer out Australian. You know, it's like ten US. So it's like it's not a place that you know I'm here for three months right now I'm going to make my money last three months yeah I mean they do say that this is probably one of the more expensive countries in the world I think it is (laughs) I think you're right I mean and that's why I mean not many people come here for such a long time either yeah because how could you afford to unless you were trying to do it like 
I'm doing it or like you're doing it, you know. But it's a. But and like you were saying too, with the tourism, like, it's good that they do have these guided tours because this place is dangerous. It's fucking and like, when people are like, "Oh, I rented a car and I'm gonna go drive up north." And I've never driven in snow before. Or ice, or black ice, or and wind, I'm like, or 150 kilometer winds that are going to blow you off the road. I'm like, that's not such a good idea. The because reason- if you start driving up north, I mean, you know, especially this winter, it's like, it's snowy up there, and it changes like that. It's hardcore. Well, there's a reason why I'm here on your farm right now, is because we've had a blizzard the last two days, and it's get- we've got five days of extreme weather coming, and there's wet in it. There's wet rain in it, because it's just warmed up with all this cloud. And then that's going to freeze when it drops again and clears up. So we're going to be stuck up north for five days. So it was either punch down now, and we were in front of the storm that was coming today, and it was just behind us. It's kind of here, hanging around now, but it's like it was like sludge on the road. It was still wild conditions, but it was like, okay, either drive now in these wild conditions and take it really slow, or be stuck for a week and then have a worse drive. On, because on the roads ice. will be closed, too. Yeah, yeah just... the roads are going to be closed for, for a week, and that's also why Iceland humbles you so much, because you... You're at the whim of the weather. Always. Here's a question I wanted to ask you, being so close with the locals here and going into the mountains. Okay, so they believe quite strongly here about elves and about um, and about trolls. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And it's like... And I love how... Okay, so they don't ever knock down houses here because then the elves can have... So there's all abandoned houses and old Viking ruins and old farmhouses and stuff hanging so the elves have somewhere to stay, and that's what they believe. And, like, there's a lot of superstition around it. Um, in the 90s, they actually, they actually tried to get rid of the superstition. They built this road through some rocks, which is supposedly an elf forest, and there was, like, 5,000 people in that area or something in that town all got sick all got extremely sick which reiterated the superstition that the elves will put a curse on you if you don't respect them there is a huge respect for the the hidden people they call them here yeah um but it's it's really underlying because like it's not like people aren't just talking about elves every day it's not like oh they'll you know some people maybe but it's more like subtle and so i even because that was really interesting to me when i first came here as well i was like oh so they believe in magic like yeah that's awesome um and they like i had read this interview and you know went around iceland and asking people like oh well do you believe in the hidden people people are like no and they're like oh but would you disturb a place that's known to be like sacred to the hidden people and they're like no yeah like definitely not and i was asking you know some of my friends here about that and like it's it's like this it's this underlying thing where it's not like this like blatant like oh yeah 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 like yeah. don't mess with the elves but it was described to me as like okay so say you're doing like some work on your property and you got the bulldozer and you're like clearing some land and all of a sudden the track falls off the bulldozer you're like that's weird fix the track immediately the engine blows you're like well that's it the third time somebody dies so we're not supposed to do this you change your plans Yeah. or like a rock falls from the mountain into the road and the government sends the road crew out to go clear the rock. And they get there and they're like, well, actually, like this is like some elven castle or something, you know? And they build the road around the rock. Yeah. And it's like not even like, it's just like, that's just what you do. Have you, when you went up to the mountains to get the sheep, was there anything like told to you or like was it interrated or anything? Like did the elves ever come up when you were deep in the mountains finding the sheep? It's more so like a lot of the places have names after like these things, you know, like, um, like there's one place called like Trolls Hook and like a lot of like the big rock, uh, formations have like names and a story behind them of like, that's a troll that got frozen in the sunlight and this is how he ended up there. Yeah. Um, I, I, I had a weird experience last night and probably just me thinking about the superstitions but okay so i went for last night i told you it warmed up it was like minus two or even zero degrees because all the cloud cover and i was like i went outside it was this beautiful night the full moon was out the 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 storm kind of like the eye of the storm hit and it was just like cleared up i could see the stars it was a full moon it was just and it was out to sea i was in the east fields and i was looking out at the ocean with the like the color like it was just so bright i was like fuck this i'm going for a walk 
And so I went out onto the, the road, and I'm like, we're out on this farmland. And I'm just like, so really remote, and I'm walking walking down this road. And I just realised that, like, it's all such fresh snow that there's no marks on the road. It was just like this puffy white snow. And I was like, wow. And I looked at my fe- footsteps down the bottom, and I was like, oh. And I jumped, and I did this jump leap forward, and I landed, like, and I was like, oh, I'm going to build a shape. So I started doing a shape, and I was like, oh, what can I do? And I was like, oh, I'll do a giant love heart. So then the first car that comes along sees, sees a love heart, and it's like, you know, I was like given a good blessing. So I'm like, I step out this, it takes me a while, I step out this massive love heart, and I was like, oh, that was kind of fun. So I jump out of it so my feet aren't, don't make any marks near it, and I was like, oh, I'll do another one. So I jumped forward because I was just playing. The thing was I was stuck in the van all day um, with – I was stuck in my mate's van just hanging out doing some computer work and stuff all day because of the blizzard so I finally had a chance to get out and kind of play outside so I'm just like fucking making the most of it right so I jump and I do another love heart and I end up doing four love hearts with like jumping between the two so and they're big but I had to jump and then like where my footsteps first started before I did the first one was like a a shaft or like a, a thing so I decided to go down back to the start so there was four perfect love hearts with no footsteps around them or whatever just in snow like where I'd squash down and make these like big love hearts like I'm I don't know like three meters wide kind of thing but like and anyway then I decided on the the bit where my feet were first standing where I first walked into it because it kind of looked like a big pillar kind of thing so I decided to make a big dick and balls <laughs> <laughs> so now and Classic. i'm like and yeah. I'm, so i'm joking you know like i do this big dick and balls and take a photo and have a dick and balls and then like four love hearts going down this road like this farm road massive like anyone can see it i'm like ha, ha, ha that's funny and i start walking away and under the moonlight i'm just walking walking back along the road and i look to the side and there's just this random fucking rock i wanted to go back today but you couldn't see it was white out you couldn't see but it was in the mountain only about 30 meters from me was this this one perfect straight square pillar rock sticking up out of the snow and for some reason it just caught my eye and it just had i don't know what it was maybe my superstition and anyone can think into this This is my experience i'm just saying it how it is i suddenly was overcome with like i was just kind of overwhelmed like looking at this rock and i was like holy fuck and i kind of just stopped in my tracks and I started like the the hairs went on the back of my neck and I started getting scared and I was like okay so now like it's like my intuition is picking up on something whether it's something in my mind making up or what but I suddenly like well intuition is picked up on something I'm suddenly getting scared I'm like whoa what have I done I'm like holy shit like I'm suddenly nervous I'm looking at this rock and I was like, what the fuck? And I'm not even thinking about elves or anything. This is the reason why it's come up because last night I had this experience and I rethought about them. You were just like, it was like pure instinct. You're like, Yeah, I was like, weird. whoa. And then I was like, whoa, I wonder if I'm being disrespectful by doing a massive dick on the road. <laughs> you know? So I was like, maybe that's the elves giving me a sign because I'm f- picking up on something here. So I was like, oh, fuck it. So I turned around, walked back to where I did this big dick in the snow and I changed it into another love heart that was reversed because of just how the angle was. So now I have one massive love heart going one way and then four going the other way across the road. And I was like, oh, and it actually looked really cool. And I was like, oh, fuck, I was kind of proud of it. And then I walked back and I was walking past the, the rock and I looked and it was just like, it was weird. It was just like I looked at the rock and it was like, it was just like this acknowledgement. It was like, okay, there you go. It was like, okay. Like, it's like, it like, you shall pass. Have some respect. Yeah, it was like, you <laughs> shall pass. And yeah. I was like, ooh, sorry about that. I didn't mean to. No, I didn't mean anything by it. It was just so weird. And then I got back and then I built this snowman. Um, <laughs> I got the shovel out. playing in the snow, yeah, it was man. like midnight awesome. too. And I was just like, fuck, I can follow the outside. So, and under the moonlight, it was so fun. But it just made me think about all day and then driving from the east all day, seeing all these big pinnacles and looking at yeah, these rocks. Yeah, that drive enormous. especially is crazy through yeah. the fjords there and like yeah, the rock formations are phenomenal. For anyone, with how you've traveled Iceland, um, what could you recommend for anyone to do if they were to come here um, to see or to... I mean, depending on the season, I would say drive the ring road yeah the full ring road because then you get to see all of iceland because it's very different from the north to the south the east to the west yeah um my favorite part is the east fjords yeah like 
and and the north is really really cool too especially if you go up on the Mavatan. peninsulas and stuff just in Mavatan, it's amazing yeah uh, Mivan, yeah. Mivan, yeah, I can't. I'm so bad at trying to <laughs> Don't go there in the summertime. Why? So, Mi is, um, like, uh, Van, or Van, is lake. Lake, yeah. Mi is a fly. <gasps> and so, in the summertime there, it's, like, hordes of black flies. Like, so bad that, like, you can barely be outside of the car. Really? Yeah. It's, like, crazy. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't. The thing is, I was there and you couldn't even see it. Like, yeah, you know, oh, man, wow. it's frozen. <laughs> yeah. Did you <laughs> did you go to the the springs, or like the? Yeah, we went to the the, the baths. Pools there. Yeah. yeah. God, that was amazing. Yeah. It's all it geothermal. It's like that would I would always everybody goes to the Blue Lagoon, but that's no. like the Blue Lagoon of the North, you know. Yeah. And it's so much nicer, and like, there's way less people there. Yeah. Just the steam and the fog. That yeah, it looks like another world. Yeah. All right, man. Well, we've been talking for 54 minutes. Um, is it... Yeah, it's just so interesting that you travel shearing sheep. Is, that, is there anything that you'd like to pass on? Any wise words of wisdom before we leave? <laughs> oh, man. That's um, what was on the spot, eh? Yeah. It's just like, oh, damn it, on the spot. I'd say follow your heart, follow your intuition. Yeah. You know, do what feels right and important to you. And... That's how... And don't follow the money. No. Yeah. I've actually been... Actually, last night was like a nice walk under that moon for me. And I was like looking at the ocean, looking at the mountains. And I was like thinking about it. And I was like thinking about like opportunities in life. And and it's like so... Um, it's so, so cliche to say, but it's just so true. It's like the realizations I was having was just like... Um, for success for me is like living a simple life and like just being as connected to nature as possible and it's just like the more I do things for my career the more I question why I'm doing it you know what I mean because I'm like oh okay I'm doing this and I can do this and I'm getting this done and it's just like at the end of the day climbing mountains or like surfing or growing my food or like hanging in nature that's where I'm the most happy. Yeah, definitely. You know? So it's like, yeah, it's, it's just this like contradiction. I have those like, thoughts all the time. I'm like, wow, I really should be making like decisions that are much more financially sound. Yeah. And like trying to, you know, get some security, some financial security and like make things happen so that I can like have money. Right. Yeah. But then like constantly there's like something in the back of my mind. It's like, no, like, yeah. That's not what's important. Like, do what you want to do. Yeah. And trust that, like, everything will work out as it should. I had this conversation with a friend today. She said to me, um, she's talking about, like, growing up and, like, needing to just, you know, like, she's ready. She needs to grow up, right? Not not party as much and do this. And she, so she's like, okay, so, yeah, I've got to grow up, so I'm going to buy a house. And I said, oh, okay, well, do you have the money to buy a house? She's like, no, 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 but I've got to because that means then I'm grown up. Like, I've got to grow up. And I'm like, Phew. I was like, what? Is that what society? Like, is, she's like, yeah, like everyone says, like, you know, I'm 30. She's. Yeah, have kids. She's turning 31 now. So Get she's a like, job. Oh, she's got a house her, with a white a picket fence, you know? And I was like, oh. <laughs> and I was like, was well, that what you perceive yourself as to be successful? Like, if you do that? And she's like, no, no, but it, isn't that just what I should do? And I was like, I, I don't. And, and she was just like, you know kind of bouncing ideas off me but I was just like it was just I was so taken back I was just like well what do you want to do in life that makes you successful is like would be stressing over a mortgage for the next like and and if it's the right decision and that's what you want to do and it's going to be a good investment and blah blah because yeah like I've bought a property it's like but I was just like it was just so weird that she was like in a feeling like in a rut in her life and being like okay well now I need to grow up so I'm going to go spend seven hundred thousand dollars that I don't have so I can say that I'm grown up right and I was like oh yeah maybe maybe go a bit deeper <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know what I mean it's just like oh, go a bit. it's like for you yourself it's like yeah you could be spending this time like um, you know like sitting in a warm place on a drinking cocktails on the beach but instead you got this thirst for knowledge yeah and you're like doing something for yourself not for the dollar sign and it's not like what what I'm spending my money on being here is like 
just for the immediate like satisfaction it's like i'm taking things with me that like i'll always have yeah you know and you're taking these experiences right and that's that's exact and, and i'm learning yeah and it's so that in itself is like it's more than just vacation it's like yeah it's a experience yeah i just when you said that i just i just had this thought about like a lot of sometimes like especially with the inst- how instagram and social media is now it's just sometimes i look at people and I'm like but what do they do <laughs> you know what i mean yeah but what do they do right and it's like you're doing something yeah you know what i mean it's like you're out there doing something you know with a purpose with like with yeah. like a and it has purpose it has meaning and it's like fuck man it's just like that that is what's important you know you're getting fulfillment in life i think so yeah you seem happy. We've been having a pretty good time. We went to an underground poker game the other night. <laughs> that was that awesome. was a trip out. I was so glad you convinced me to go. I've been going to poker. I'm so glad you up. went too. And you're like, dude, I've got word of an underground poker game, and I'm like, oh, well, I don't gamble. Like, well, it would be an experience. Yeah, and it was. It was sick. Yeah, and I'm I'm glad I didn't didn't cost me much. I kind of like lost a bit, came up a bit, lost a bit, came up a bit. Put a hundred bucks in, like walked away with seventy bucks still. So yeah. it cost me thirty bucks to have a good time for a few hours and meet some really and like interesting people. Really, yeah, really interesting experience. You know, and nice people too. It's yeah. like it was great. Like, yeah, I went back the next night. Oh, did you? Yeah, did you do any good? <laughs> I left with all my money that I went there with. Oh, that is, well, I suppose that's still good when you're exactly. in an underground <laughs> poker game. <laughs> but again, again, and you said to me, it's like you said to me, "Hey, I found a different side of Iceland that I've never seen before." Do you want to come? And I was like, what? And I was like, well, I don't gamble. And I was like, well, I'm not really... We were gambling. definitely the only two people there that were not Icelandic. Oh, yeah, yeah, by far. <laughs> yeah, just, and that was the whole thing, just jumping into this experience. And it was so cool because I didn't know that about there. You know, it's seeing all these different sides of the culture, you know? Yeah. And like... And I'm drawn to those things. Like yeah. the things that people don't see very much. Well, I, I often think about the boys here, like my mates here that are surfers. And I was like thinking about this. It's like for them being surfers in this climate... Like at home, it's like majority of people surf. Yeah. Right. Here, there's like 20 surfers in the country. Three are only like really, or four are only really dedicated surfers. You know, maybe five or six. I don't know. It's like, it's a very slow. 20 people surfing. And and then I was like thinking about it the other day and I go, I go to Hadar. I was like, you know what it's like? I was like, if you're, if you're in Australia, it's like you'd be a ballroom dancer or something. You know, there's like not many people doing it. No right. one does it. <laughs> I'm like, right. you know what I mean? Like you walk around Iceland, you're like, oh, here, I'm a, I'm a surfer. Or like when you're coming out of the surf and you're walking up a mountain and like people see, like I was saying earlier, they're just tripping out. People stop and take pictures of you? Yeah. Well, there's people like just all smack. They're like, what? What? What are you doing? Especially when they find out I'm sleeping in a car. (laughs) I imagine that you get a lot of the similar responses that I get here. When people are like, what are you doing here? And I'm like, well, you know, I'm here to shear sheep. And they're like, what? (laughs) Like, wait, what? Tell me more. Because like, yeah, you know, it's just like, because I think that probably I'm one of the very, very few people here traveling around to do this and i think that you are also one of the very very few people traveling around to do what you're doing well i think you're one of the own the only well i don't like i haven't i haven't met anybody else doing it and i haven't um met anybody that's met anybody else doing it. yeah well i've met people there's people here woofing on farms and things like that you know like coming to just like do farm chores and stuff but like yeah I've met traveling surfers that come here and I've met people that hire camper vans. Like last year, I got a really good deal. My mate hooked me up with a camper van that I had for three months, but they have heaters in them. (laughs) (laughs) I've literally, I haven't come across anyone that is just like, because this is how like when you're a grom, when you're a kid in Australia as a surfer, you just kind of get a wag and you just make it happen. You just sleep in the back and you just go surfing. You go on surf trips with your mates and it's just like, well, like, I know how to do that at home. So, for me, it was like, oh, I'll just do it here and I'll just figure it out. Yeah. I got a, luckily, a Wild Earth Australia look after me. And so, I got a really good, really good gear, really good sleeping bag, which kind of changes everything, kind of makes it handable a bit. Like, God, you, but you can't get out for piss. I put this thing up, like, I've got to figure out how to get out to wee. And people, like, just wee in a bottle. But it's not even that. I've got to get out of the sleeping bag to wee in a bottle. It's not getting out of the car. 
It's just as cold inside the car as what it is outside the car, you know what I mean? It's getting out of the sleeping bag. At least there's not the wind in the car. Yeah, that is true. But it's just like, it's just, it's funny, but we make it work, man. Exactly. Um, well, glad to meet a guy like you. Yeah, it's a pleasure as well, man. Yeah, and, and um, yeah, more fun times to come. It's it's good seeing you again this year. Yeah, it's awesome, year. mate. We, got, we got, got to go out. We went out one night in town and party. It was fun. <laughs> yeah, that was a good time. <laughs> yeah, it was awesome. I mean, like, one of the f- first few days I was here in Reykjavik, I, like, saw on, you know, social media that you're back in Iceland. And I was like, what are the chances of hit you up because i was yeah that's dope you man. just like react on those you know those instances in life like we were saying like just take the opportunity and like yeah and we're gonna get we're gonna come tomorrow um and watch you do some shearing yeah hopefully I think, and, and i think that'll work out yeah and hopefully get some photos of you of you and then i'll put them on the website so you can guys uh, and see what um phil is actually up to because that is a site to see to actually see what we've been talking about so it'll be on diaries of the wild ones under the episode page or on the instagram aaron under scroll shanks i'll put some photos up on that so you actually be able to see the rawness of what this guy's doing and how hard he's working Awesome. Yeah. All right, thanks. Thanks for coming on, man. Hey, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, guys are the wild ones. That's what it's like. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers, dude. Cheers. So if you like this episode, please feel free to share it and leave a rating. And if you have or know of anyone with a wild story, please get in contact with me through my Instagram, Aaron underscore Shanks, or the website, diariesofthewildones.com, because I'd love to sit down over a beer or a coffee and hear it. I do it like a double.